0: Hello, good morning, good evening, and good day to all of you joining us live, wherever you are, for another episode of Only Stupid Answers. I'm going to say it's live. It counts. Mm-hmm. You're joining us. You're supporting us. We're doing we it live. It's live it. for us. It's live for us. And for all of eternity, time is a construct. It's a flat circle. It's a river. And we're just a bunch of sticks being thrown into it. If you guys are watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know what I'm referencing, to. Uh, but thank you for joining us for the podcast, where it's the only one out there, shockingly, that talks about movies. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, tv shows yes comic books uh yeah mm-hmm. video games yes yep that's it there's no other ones i was kind of there hoping you were like uh, and
1: shockingly it's the only one out there
0: this week <laughs> it is. yeah this week let's go oh. ahead and catch everybody up but no we are uh that's what we like to focus on and uh talk about and share with you guys over at patreon.com slash only stupid answers you can join us for as low as five bucks a month get access to our discord all of our old content live streams video hangouts Lots of cool stuff over there. We appreciate anyone who is able to support us over there. And if you also wanna check out reviews for new DC Universe shows or CW shows, check out youtube.com slash only stupid answers. And last plug up top, twitch.tv slash only stupid answers on Fridays. We've been doing gameplays or movie watch alongs Probably gonna stick to gameplay moving forward because the movie part was a little harder than we thought. <laughs> it was a little yeah. just- you came
1: up the second we were done, you came up with a solution that might help us in the future. But yeah, we, we had some we had some issues. I'm good-
0: I'm good at with the hindsight. <laughs> I, you, me too.
1: You know what? Me too. If only you could have yeah. the hindsight before the the before it happens.
0: Whatever. You know what? It's not. Ha- that's a pretty cool superpower. Mm-hmm. Would you write that character? Yes. But yes, uh, we are today. We are going to be talking about a movie that I will s- never stop pestering my f- loved ones with: "The Fast of Night." It is an indie film uh, from first-time uh, director Quentin
1: Tarantino. No, I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Patterson and. Uh, By the way, I like the name. Very boring name. I get why Mm -hmm. I didn't remember it. Um, Yes, this is his directorial debut. In my defense,
1: he has a boring name.
0: (laughs) Uh, But this was his directorial debut that premiered at Sundance in 2019. Cast your mind back. That's when we were all coughing in each other's mouths, willy-nilly. What a wonderful time that was. (laughs) I miss it. I miss it too. And then we were able to actually see this movie premiere at Fantastic Fest last year, which was a delight. And we've mentioned that Uh, film festival way too many times in this show but it doesn't matter because that's like a little heaven for me that's my Uh, Hawaii except for Hawaii is really good too so (laughs) well then I'll Uh, say
1: then I'll say it's my Hawaii because I don't know uh, if I'll
0: ever endure the flight to get to Hawaii it will knock you out one of these days (laughs) (laughs) I know you don't want to take sleeping pills we'll just we'll I don't know put you in a trance put a VR headset on you and you won't I'm into it hypnotize
1: me let's do it
0: we'll finally get it to work for somebody but uh, I was able to watch this movie with very little going into it the synopsis uh, is, the in the twilight of the 1950s, on one fateful night in New Mexico, young switchboard operator Faye and the charismatic radio DJ Everett discover a strange audio frequency that could change their small town and the future forever. Now, m- uh, my synopsis was even shorter than that. It was just a radio DJ and a uh, switchboard operator hear a signal in the sky above <laughs> their small town in the 1950s, and I was like, yep, that's enough for me. Yeah. Alien stuff, I'm on board. Let's go check it out. Like, I, I love that kind of uh, the Roswell... New Mexico, uh, yeah. UFO hunter energy. So when I saw this movie, I couldn't shut up about it. DJ, would, uh, you went and saw a bunch of other really good movies at the festival at Fantastic Fest last year. Yes. So you were not able to check it out. But uh, now that uh, basically right after Sundance in 2019, Amazon bought the rights, and that's how it actually was distributed to Fantastic Fest and Beyond Fest and a couple other fests. And Due to COVID, mm-hmm. the actual re- wide release of this movie was canceled. Yeah. It was supposed to come out May 13th in at least select theaters, possibly even uh, a wider release. But that's not happening. But it, on May 29th, it premiered on Amazon Prime proper, and they they did a big campaign for it. It could have been that I was searching for that movie a lot, so I just saw a lot of ads for it. But it looked like yeah. they were pushing it on Twitch and a lot of other places. So hopefully people check it out because uh it is it so far in terms of new releases this year even though that's not really fair yeah it's been my favorite movie to watch this year new film yes uh but we'll dive into invisible that we're gonna be doing a sp-
1: invisible man was pretty good oh that was
0: pretty good yeah. too that's yeah the, if we're talking about movies that specifically just came out in 2020 yeah one's really good uh Blood one Shot, of the but, five uh, one of the five uh trolls too yes um but anyways, before we get ahead on the spoiler-free and spoiler-filled discussion, I want to open up with our, our, our stable of the show, The backbone, The Cornerstone, The Foundation, what we're into this week. DJ, let's start with you. What TV show, what movie, what book, what activity... What random encounter with a stranger do you want to talk about today?
1: Well, uh, I would like to talk a little bit uh, with you about some of the comics because comics are kind of like starting back up. And it it's brings me a great amount of joy to be able to um, – at a safe social distance with – Uh, a mask on see some of my my favorite people at the house of secrets in burbank
0: i I was going to ask you have been going to house of secrets
1: yes uh they were doing curbside pickup and now they're doing a limited only six people in the store at a time and you have to stay six feet apart all that stuff but even in that kind of controlled environment it's just it's just really cool i've been trying to support um local businesses more like if you're going to do it if you're going to go through all the trouble of you know going out with everything that's going on as much as I can, I would like my dollars to go to the the businesses that you know are would are would be most affected by it. I'm not as worried about the Best Buys and the Papa Johns and all that stuff. <gasps> uh, you know, the employees there need support too. But you know, the uh,
0: I do love when like the Carl's Jr. near me has like, we support our community. Come yeah. get a burger, and it's like uh, Carl's Jr. and Hardee's, chill out. Yeah, <laughs> calm
1: down. You're doing. You're comparatively. We're all hurting, yeah, but you're doing okay. Um, so yeah, I would like to talk to you a little bit about some of the comics I picked up this week, but the big thing I want to talk about, um, was my wife and I, um, she was in the mood to watch the matrix, which, which I've watched semi, semi regularly since it's come out and we rewatched it and it's very, obviously it's very good. There was a reason it was such a big hit at the time. Um, but I realized when we were watching, I haven't watched reloaded or, uh, what is it? Revelations as much revolutions because it's not, you know, they're not as beloved typically. Uh, But I was in the mood to watch the sequel, so we watched um, Reloaded. I haven't watched uh, the third one yet. But it was interesting now, living in 2020, watching um, uh, Reloaded because in, in a lot of ways, the first movie is technically a better movie. It's tighter. It's leaner. It, it gets to its points in a more efficient manner. Um, it's, it's one of those, it's a specific enough vision that it's interesting and it's new, but it's broad enough that like literally you could attribute any sort of meaning to being in the matrix or what the red pill and the blue pill are, or any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Which, which when it comes to like the matrix and Star Wars, the more, um, the less specific your philosophical standpoints are, the more people can attribute to it. So the more people glom on to that particular media. But watching Reloaded, even though, like, there, specifically, there's the scene when they go to Zion, which is, in it, Reloaded, is the first time we go to the human city of Zion. And there's this big orgy, basically. It's a big, it's a big rave, big orgy, it's whatever. And it, and it is, it kind of like drags out the movie and it doesn't really add, like, obviously it adds to the thematic element of what are people fighting for, humanity, all that stuff. But it just kind of doesn't really need to be there, except it, <laughs> it does, except it really does, because it, it's, it's watching those movies, it, I, could, I could see why there was kind of the backlash towards the Matrix sequels, because I could see audiences sitting down, watching the Matrix and being like, wow, this is a really fun action sci-fi adventure movie with a little weirdness around the edges. And the Wachowskis are like, no, no, the weirdness is actually what we're about. So it's like watching Reloaded because the first Matrix was such a big success it'd be like if David Lynch's Dune somehow was a huge success and then he got to do whatever he wanted for the next one and you realize like no the Wachowskis their vision is so specific and unique and and different than what your typical like four quadrant entertainment is there's a reason all the music in the Matrix sounds like club music and that's why the rave scene needs to be there because that's the stuff they care about there's the reason the, the reason all the characters all the main characters wear uh, leather fetish gear is not because it's 90s cool it, it is that but it's not because of that it's because they're into that stuff like the matrix reloaded is queer as fuck and it's and it's cool it's cool to see because i think and and maybe this is me reading too much into it but but knowing now that both Wachowskis have transitioned Mm-hmm. It, it, it feels like a filmic version of asserting your identity. Like the first one was – the first Matrix was for everybody. The second one – and, and it's, I haven't rewatched the third one yet, but I will. And I imagine it will be similar. The second one is for the Wachowskis. Like this is for the stuff – and there's stuff like on a technical level that you, I I would – I don't interest me as much like when the Oracle is like, yeah, vampires and ghosts and aliens are all programs. You're like, what are we, what is this about? You know what I mean? (laughs) And even um, when uh, Monica Bellucci's character even starts portraying and her husband, she even makes a point that she's using silver bullets to take out his henchmen. You're like, too much. You're getting too much into the weeds. I have literally no idea what you're
0: talking about. I know. I didn't even know we got into that. Yeah,
1: like it's, you block it out because it's just such
0: quick question yes is there that whole scene in the second one where it's at the restaurant and the guy's like talking about code and he like yes that's the scene Is a woman yes or basically controls through, her?
1: yeah through uh dessert because he has has code but it's that's the, that's the stuff i'm talking about where and, and it does and i will admit that the movie the sequel kind of dis- gets a little bit too self-involved with its philosophizing but Mm -hmm. i think the overall message some of my favorite i didn't realize but some of my favorite stuff in all of the matrix movies are revealed in the second one like i really love the idea and and it feels especially present now which the way like the red pill has been like co-opted by uh, people that don't share the wachowski's worldview and stuff like that um how the the nature of the one is just another form of control and the whole scene where he's confronting the architect and you see the alternate reality versions of him on the screen and the way it does all that. And also the action is, re- for the most part, is really really good except when it cuts to full cg and it looks like complete and utter dog shit i remember it looked dated then so now it's like watching a ps2 cutscene. and you're like shit man i know we give george lucas a lot of shit for going back and retooling his old movies when it comes to like cg special effects and stuff i wouldn't hate it if maybe we spent some money to go back to matrix reloaded and made those cg because the the quote-unquote choreography in it is is pretty interesting it just looks bad and so it's like yeah if we just take modern computers and bump this up a little bit so it doesn't it's not quite as distracting i wouldn't hate it i wouldn't i
0: wonder i wonder if you if there was an easy way to do it because i feel like uh maybe i've just been watching too much corridor crew and i think our audience knows those the vfx artists react it really comes down to lighting and the way they're lit in my brain, makes them look like Gumby characters. It, they like do very, it does. Gummy. It, very gummy. It's so
1: disappointing because specifically the fight with um, all of the Smiths, half of it is practical and looks really, really cool. And also the stuff they do with Smith in this movie, I think I think Agent Smith might, Smith uh, solidifies himself as one of the all time great villains because Hugo Weaving does a lot with a character. There's not a lot going on there, but he adds so much personality. Like the way he delivers lines is like, like a machine trying to figure out language, like, like a machine pretending to talk like he thinks a human's supposed to speak. And it's subtle and it's interesting and is in the way he projects genuine, distinct loathing for humanity. Uh, adds a lot to the character and the fight is really cool until it becomes all CG and you're like, oh, this is so bad. And you had, you were doing so good. And then this happened. Um, so it's interesting to revisit it now because, and, and you think about, you know, speed racer, which is another movie. I really enjoy uh cloud Atlas, which I have not watched Jupiter sending. I have not watched the Wachowskis are into weird shit. And so it's actually really cool that they were, and, and it makes me really hopeful for Matrix 4. I know a lot of people are probably like, I hope it's more like Matrix 1. Keep doing you. Keep being weird. I'm so thankful that the Wachowskis were able to get their foot in the door with the Matrix and just seed their their uh, uh, brand of weird throughout media. And they have a franchise that I think will, will continue to be one of the most well-recognized franchises going in the future. But it was always going to be, Looking at it now, it seems inevitable. It was always going to be too weird to for the masses. Like, it's, it's, it's a unique... And I think, honestly, though, that might have been something that kind of happened with Star Wars, too. Because that first Star Wars movie, for the time, is, like, really weird. There's a lot of... And it's the same thing with, like, you know, oh, there's that retro sci-fi goofy stuff around the edges to add flavor and then i think with the prequels george lucas was like "Mm -mm, that's what i'm about i'm about that weird goofy sci-fi shit like Mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna triple down on that shit and uh, general (laughs) audiences weren't ready for it
0: well i'm i'm glad that you've been revisiting it and that you're enjoying it cloud atlas might be a a weird one but also an interesting one to watch with our audience yeah together to kind of have to break it apart because i have a very very rough idea like written on the back of an envelope rough like i have have what that movie is
1: no yeah see Um, i haven't seen it and i've heard nothing but bad things but it's like now now i'm interested because like maybe i'm at a stage in my life where i'd be more open to whatever that movie's doing and more forgiving of it. because don't get me wrong there's things in matrix reloaded that don't just don't work well and don't work as well as the first matrix but I think overall the experience was was more enjoyable for me than when I first saw it. And so like maybe now if I saw Cloud Atlas or maybe now if I saw Jupiter Ascending and the weird wolf boy and what is it be people like whatever's going on in that movie. Oh, you know,
0: yeah. Oh, I got <laughs> confused for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, with wow. uh, Channing
1: Tatum in his jet boots like, you know what? Maybe I'd be into it. Who's to say? Who's
0: – that is right. Who's to say <laughs> Who's because to revisiting say? it is it – is, That actually might be a really hard series to do and I don't even know if anyone would watch it, but it might be really interesting, at least for us, to check those out. And that's what we would call Uh,
1: call it. Who's to say?
0: (laughs) uh, By the way, I think we both want to talk about comic books, but I did want to give a quick shout out to a movie for what I'm into this week and we can hop into it. Uh, I did check out HBO Max. Um, Not the cleanest interface on the app on my phone. It was a little it it wasn't that intuitive, but I do, as soon as I saw Studio Ghibli stuff on there, I was like, this is this is worth it you're like i'm home also by the way i I know you and i talked this is just a conversation we had privately about like um getting a subscription for it but you have hbo now and that way it 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 carried over yes and i have it on hulu and that subscription carried over so now hbo max is on hulu attached to it so i was like oh cool so now i can just it's not you know how like the h you're saying there were problems with the hbo now carryover. you have to like open the app within hulu and there's no search function for it and oh, I'm like, okay. wait, what? What's happened? So I can't like. You have to like just like look through alphabetically, like to oh. like find the TV, the movie or the TV show. But I did rewatch Lego Batman just because I hadn't watched that since the it's movies, and I forgot how good that movie is. Yeah, Lego I, Batman's. It's a little long, little long, yeah. but it's very funny. The, very funny. Michael Sarah's. I think it's my favorite role for Michael Sarah.
1: Dude, and also w- w- such a good use of the Dick Grayson character, and so many good jokes just based around that character. I, I really love that. But. Uh, yeah, I actually haven't had a chance to check out HBO Max because I typically watch stuff on my Roku TV and mm-hmm. or HBO Max and Roku, I guess, have not made nice with each other. So my HBO Now, now map app has not updated to Max.
0: It was weird. Uh, I So I have a Samsung TV and it has like the smart integration and it's yeah. overall just perfect. I don't have to plug anything into it except for my game consoles or a DVD player. Yeah. Good to go. Uh, but it. For some reason, I had to like fully unplug my computer, my TV from the wall and out of the socket, reboot it, start it all over again. Cause I would open the HBO Max app and it would boot now. Wow. And then when it worked, it boots now but then it opens max. So I've literally no idea. Like what I I think at first I thought some of the outlets that we both like to read were being a little harsh on it, Mm -hmm. but it is a very sloppy start, which is a bummer. And if you remember uh, compared to like Disney plus and, and other ones, it's not like Quibi, but it's, it's a little rough start
1: now, but I will say, I think you and I both had a fairly, like, I didn't have any issues with Disney plus when it launched, but I know a lot of people did and they were being very hard on it. And and I, well, I don't know why I'm defending big companies, fuck big companies, but (laughs) I will say it's like it's it's got to be challenging to launch a a major app on multiple platforms. Like, Like how do you
0: test for like? the amount of traffic you get on that app immediately like you, yeah. you, you you set aside the space but it's like it's like setting aside land for like a bunch of cattle or like teenagers to show up for a music festival or something and like all of a sudden you're just like holy shit everyone's shitting everywhere what yeah. are we supposed to do like no one thought about that like well, we don't have, What's no bathrooms. Going on? We have well, two bathrooms and you
1: and I know how many times have we gotten ready for a stream we've set everything up we're ready to go we've checked things we've double checked things I everything know where you're going with work. this and
0: I have no idea what you're talking and about and then and then the <laughs>
1: second and then the second we go live everything just everything
0: shits the bed mm-hmm. sorry i just took a sip of coffee which is nice and cold now so that's delicious um mm-hmm. but i uh i remember when we would do it for like life nugget stuff <laughs> my favorite was like everything's ready to go we start <laughs> And it's like, the audio is not working. So everything's crashed. And we're like, we can't. We literally have no idea why the audio is not working. But we can tell you that it has now stopped the video from working and the stream from going out. And we're like, cool, 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 yeah. cool, 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 cool. An hour late, cool cool, 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 cool. Well,
1: and then like things, you know, sometimes things would go better here. But now we're in a situation where you and I are having to communicate over Zoom. How, to, like, we're not in the same room. Like, we have to communicate. Like, wh- wh- who's doing what? A lot of when, screen with, sharing. Yeah, a lot of screen <laughs> sharing. Anyway, but but yeah. So so you fuck big companies, but also I I would imagine it's challenging launching a major new app that, where people. It's not like you have it and people discover you. It's like everybody's sitting there waiting for it
0: yeah uh but i want to talk about comics and i really want to talk about the vast tonight so uh, i i think i just want to give a quick shout to what i read this week and we can discuss some of like the standouts for us um where where's my list where's my list of comic books Uh, oh yeah go for it oh i did check out ice cream man which is a book from image which is an anthology horror book and right now each issue is like 89 cents nice Uh, and i support local shops but I just saw the sale going on on Comixology. So I was like, you know what? I'll check this out because uh, I saw Danny M. Echo Spider uh, over on our Patreon recommending it because it's really messed up weird stuff. And it is. It's crazy. It's so scary. It makes me so upset. I read one before I went to sleep and I had nightmares. Like genuinely. I felt like a child when I woke up. Wow. I was like, really? It scared me? Like, yeah, it messed me up. Like Jeez, a, lot of, that's intense. a lot of messed up imagery. And it's like uh, very like uh uh what uh big cthulhu guy who wrote who writes this lovecraftian no. lovecraftian not in the monsters but in the sense that like you see something bigger than what the human brain can comprehend and your brain melts like that yeah. kind of stuff you're like uh I, I, <laughs> the I, ideas here are scaring me <laughs> i hope we refer to him now as big cthulhu guy what is big cthulhu, big cthulhu guy? boy yeah uh but and also uh basketball heads had its last issue yes i uh, haven't read it yet i didn't I didn't know it was ending, but no. it is the last issue. And, it, uh, and I was like, as when it, once it finishes, you're like, this may have been too many issues for this book, but I'm <laughs> glad it exists. I did enjoy it. Um, yeah, the, the uh,
1: second to last issue is very exposition heavy
0: uh venom island finished and that venom book was a monster sized one and ryan segman did the art for this big spread of what he wants to do for the rest of the venom run and it was very cool Cool. so anyways enough about that we both read and if you want to mention anything please do but we both read avengers issue 33 and suicide squad issue number five yes Uh, and i want to throw it to you now because you wanted uh, to bring these up
1: yeah i wanted to bring it up i'm interested to see so for those that i mean read these comics if you haven't but like suicide suicide squad issue five you said Yes, um, we we lose another member, and that's one of the the pros to having a basically a team of unknowns right now, is that there, there's no like publisher mandate that you can't kill off a certain character. Um, we resolved. He was my favorite. Yeah, he was really cool, um, and his and his death is really sad. Some of the logistics of it confuse me, but his death is really sad. And then we kind of resolve the situation with Locke, who's the guy that's kind of ousted Amanda Waller in a very satisfying way um and we get the reveal of who's kind of been pulling the strings and i don't i'm gonna be honest sam it gives me not that i have a huge i don't can i say the character doesn't matter spoilers do we care
0: uh talk about it without saying his name okay so it's a it's a
1: classic silver age hero that is admittedly not one of my favorites like i I don't (laughs) dislike him but he's just not somebody he's not a ride or die for me But I definitely got like Wally West vibes where it's like somebody like, hey, let's just shit all over this guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, hold on. Hold on a second. But I'm waiting. This, it feels like every issue, this uh, comic like kind of reboots its premise. So who knows what what the truth behind this character will be or his reveal or any of that. Did you have any feelings when you saw like that reveal or what was going on in the issue?
0: I think it, we both had the right feeling where it's that we're maybe a little uncomfortable with the reveal yeah. because it is a hero. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And you're like, oh, but he's like not, he doesn't have enough weight really mm-hmm. to like make it like like a Wally West. You know, it's yeah. not like that. It's it's something with the, uh, lower stakes. But the implications for it are interesting because it can go a million different ways. Like we really liked the dynamic between I think it's Finn and then the shark, yeah. King Shark, basically, and they threw that away really fast. Yes, and they, they did. But in in a way that was both satisfying and a little uh, frustrating because you're like, but I want to see more of that, yeah. and I don't think that means it's the end of it. I just think he's trying to tell a story where he's y- utilizing the concept of the Suicide Squad to its full, full, fullest extent.
1: Yeah, and can so I-
0: that's why. I, I'm on board with it. You say, it. go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, it?
1: I, I'm very excited about. I'll all I'll say is this: I'm very excited about that zebra man will now be uh, factored in more, yeah. And I am excited for that because I, I don't know that I have a particular take in my head of who zebra man is or what he's about, but I'm excited he, what we've seen of him so far. I think uh, he'll he'll have a very interesting relationship with the other characters in the comic.
0: Yeah. Also, I didn't realize that he couldn't put a force field around himself while he was doing that because he wasn't. He Dude. was just covering Locke. And you're like, he should. This is a big vulnerability, right?
1: Yeah. Now. I, I actually really liked the way that played out. And then Avengers, I picked it up because Moon Knight, and I'm a big Moon Knight fan. Yeah, and we can
0: fully talk about this. Who cares if there's spoilers in this?
1: Yeah. I. I. This actually gave me. It actually kind of reminded me why I haven't been picking up Avengers, and it reminded me about um, Scott Snyder's uh, Justice League Run too.
0: Mm.
1: Where it's cool, but you can't shake the f- It feels juvenile. Just it just feels like a, a kid playing with toys it's like, what if Moon Knight show up and then he beat uh Dr. Strange, beat Dr. Black Panther, and he beat what? And it's not that it's not cool, it's super cool. And as a Moon Knight fan, it's super gratifying to see him take down all these, like, yeah, of course Moon Knight's the toughest. But that's what it feels like. It feels like a kid on a schoolyard being like, the, Moon Knight, the moon's big and he gets all the moons together. And so it's just like, it's kind of... It, Wait, it, he gets his
0: powers for the moon. So what if we put like four more moons in the sky? <laughs> what if we have all the moons in the sky? <laughs> what and, if we put the I, sun go away and just put a bunch of moons up there? And I
1: just think like, I because I, I, I also read um, Grant Morrison's Green Lantern. And even though that's it's not, Grant Morrison's best work is Green Lantern run. There mm. is a different type of feel of like, when Grant Morrison goes big, it's like, it's like he dropped acid into your brain or open the open the doorway to your your mind up to the universe that kind of big like big big and there's there's fun juvenile superhero punching other stuff in there and it, and it, and it pulls from the classic comics in that way but it feels like the b- bigger things are happening th- this just feels like a kid playing with action figures and i'm not against it i just kind of wish i i we a, a lot of effort went into making comics more mature and i even think like this comic's like rated t for teens or whatever and it's like well yeah. you, you, you could you could tell a more adult story i think or or just frame it i don't know i i'm shitting on it but i did enjoy the comic what did you think
0: i enjoyed it too but i don't i don't disagree i liked uh moon knight with his iron fist get up yeah i liked that a lot uh also just i was reading some like message boards about moon knight and mm-hmm. like there was at Warren Ellis, or you can correct me on this, but there was a comic where they started to question if konshu's even the a deity, like if that's just a part of his psyche, like that's just a part of his yeah. his, his his mental illness. And this comic, this one, this comic is very much like nah. That's a moon god, and we're dealing with this. Like, we're gonna go fight the devil and punch him in the face because mm-hmm. I moon nights the best. And look at yeah. all these extra moons because, like, he fights Thor in space, like, yes. he's there, <laughs> like, he is fully there. Yeah. Uh, so, it's mo- this one's being like, yeah maybe there's a mental illness but right now he's just gonna punch you in the face really hard yeah yeah it's
1: interesting because it it feels like every especially right now because moon knight doesn't have an ongoing so it's more like a collection of mini series whenever he gets a new issue and it feels like everyone's like is it a mental illness or is it uh, the moon god and then every everyone comes to a definitive answer and then the next time he shows up it's like but wait is it it's like well no we answered this it's yeah. a moon we we came up with it you can't keep, keep asking the same question every time the character shows up like come on we figured it out but uh or
0: at least be more on board with it cuz it's just like all over the place it's I, like hard to keep track
1: I will say that that this this comic does really nail down I think with, maybe not the most important, but possibly the most important thing any character needs to be a classic hero is they need to look cool. And they bring back not only some of his classic looks, but like even the new ones, like you said, when he fights Iron Fist and he's got like, he's got the wraps on his hand. It's like, yeah, man, Moonlight looks so cool. That's like the big selling uh, point. He looks so cool
0: underneath the like classic costume with like the hood with the point yes does he have that face mask on yes all the time too okay so he's got both it's like a spider gwen kind of thing where it's like the mask underneath and then a hood
1: yes yeah it's that it's that setup that's the traditional the traditional setup he's had and i think they're even coming out with a new toy where like you could switch the head between a white face mask or a black face mask because it depends on who's who's drawing them and who's coloring and all that stuff but cool. i will probably pick it up just because moon Knight. just because you got me and it, and it is it is fun enough that it's like yeah I'll, I'll i'm interested to see the part that interested me most was
0: um what's going to happen with black panther uh yeah that was a cool i like that interaction i thought that was pretty cool I and thought i thought it was well
1: written and i also think black panther is, especially now is one of those characters that kind of brings out the best in the writers he's kind of like batman where it's like it kind of doesn't matter who's writing them cuz the character's so strong that it's going to be good like it's hard it's hard to fuck up black panther um so I'll be, uh, we, we'll <laughs> give it a try hey, listen yeah. <laughs> we'll give it a shot don't test me um but uh, so I'm excited to see how that plays out and I'll probably keep uh picking up especially since I think um there's some weird stuff with marvels shipping. I think disney shipping is going to go back to normal, but marvels I don't
0: I don't know what's going on there. So, we'll see. By the way, uh DC, we're getting some of their press emails now and they have a new comic coming out February. So, it's going to be a minute, but it's uh titled Nubia and it's following Nubia the Twin sister to Wonder Woman. That's how they always like pitched her as like the twin sister to Wonder Woman. Yeah. She's an Amazon, Amazon, and she's super strong. And she's been Wonder Woman before in the comics. And I just like the idea of Nubia a lot. Yeah. And uh, the artist and the writer coming together, the story that they're telling seems really unique and personal to them. Cool. Uh, and I think what the pitch was, it was like if a character had all the tools to make their community better, but the community actively fought that hate despised who you were mm. and like it was in like what comic hasn't like that was spider-man yeah. you know but like this one's actually dealing with like racial injustices and and the way black people are viewed in not just america but the world and like if you had a character like wonder woman but he's black how did do, how does that person especially in that it's a younger skewing book it's not yeah. like she's a kid cool. but she's a teen uh and she is and it's trying to tackle that and the artist, I believe, is Jamaican-American. And cool. the art style is just very specific. And, and I enjoy... like the, They put out a little preview. Um, and you should go check it out on like the Wonder Woman Instagram or on DC's website. There's a press release for it. I just wanted to give a proper uh, shout-out to it because I'm excited for it. And I like the idea. Like They've been doing a lot of really interesting things with like the YA and uh, uh, younger audience skewing books over at Agreed. DC that I thought are very innovative. And I am excited to read this one. But...
1: real quick real quick before we move on you said shout outs i want to give a shout out to danny m who is with us in the chat right now and he said let's rewatch cloud atlas and then listen to how uh did this get how the how did this get made episode that sounds like a good plan and uh um danny m says he agrees with me i wasn't picking up avengers till now moon Knight. yeah you just have to drop in a character you like and then we're in
0: I, I don't really listen to How Did This Get Made, because it is funny, but sometimes it's just like, it's an hour and a half episode, and you're just like, oh, my God, yeah. uh, like I'm getting tired. Um, so I feel that way when some people don't listen to our episodes. But boom, <laughs> called you out. Uh, but uh, I listened to their one on Cool World, and man cool world's so weird it's such a weird book because our movie yeah it is it's it's like adult roger rabbit but the creator of that world exists in our world but that world already existed for a long time but the man who created it can make changes to it but a real life human being exists in cool world and if if a human has sex with a cartoon or a doodle they become real but that's never happened before so i don't know why anyone knows that that can happen Mm -hmm. the movie's weird it's a really 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 weird movie and with that speaking of movies let's hop into it let's Uh, do it dj i'm gonna do some uh business up top for the spoiler free review in three two one now let's talk about i'll give you more space hold on (laughs) Let's talk about The Vast tonight. Uh, This uh, premiered on Amazon Prime Streaming Service on May 29th of 2020. Here's your quickie synopsis. In the twilight of the 1950s, on one fateful night in New Mexico, young switchboard operator Faye and the charismatic radio DJ Everett discover a strange audio frequency that could change their small town in the future forever. Now this uh, stars two relatively unknowns. Faye, played by Sierra McCormick, is starting to be an up-and-comer. And and she also, uh, when she was younger, played more kid roles in movies. So she's not totally new to this, but it is cool to see her in a starring role. Also, Jake Horowitz plays Everett, uh, our our male lead, and there's a lot of uh, fun Easter eggs I want to hop into about this movie. But this was directed by first time film director Andrew Patterson. Was written by Jason Montague and Craig W. Sanger. And uh, I was uh, like I said in previous episodes reviews. If you've ever checked out the OSA programming, I got to see this at Fantastic Fest 2019. And it was my favorite movie from the festival. And DJ, we got to watch this together with everyone over at twitch.tv slash onlystupidanswers. We did. Uh, this past Friday, uh, when it premiered on Amazon Prime, this was scooped up by Amazon at Slam Dance. Now, earlier in our podcast episode, and I think in other recordings, I said Sundance, because every time someone's told me Slam Dance, I've immediately forgotten that film <laughs> festival and just remembered Sundance. Uh, there's some fun uh, history I want to get into this movie, but it was premiered at Slamdance. It was immediately picked up by... Uh, Amazon, And then it was premiered at Fantastic Fest and was supposed to be getting a really big release on May 13th, at least selectively in the United States or a wide release um, so that it could be in the running for an Oscar come 2020. But we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. But I want to I've shared my love for this movie previously. I would like to open up with you and hear what you thought of this movie as a first time viewer. It was cool.
1: Yeah, um, It was cool checking out. I will say it's it seems to be getting um oh, very good press because right now on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it has a 91% uh, fresh Ooh. rating, and the critics' consensus reads: "An engrossing sci-fi thriller that transcends its period trappings, The Vast of Nights just great things for debut director Andrew Patterson." And I will say it's a very it's it's one of those. Um, there was another movie you liked from Fantastic Fest um, uh, with Ten Football and Soul, right? Three football and soul. Three football now. and soul. Excuse me. Ten foot significantly bigger. Three football and soul. And it's one of those movies you watch that's it's kind of frustrating because you're like, why didn't I think of that? Son of a bitch. Why didn't I think of that? What a good, what a good, simple, tight, self-contained premise that's relatively cheap to make because this movie, you know, obviously there's there's some shots that would be more complicated to do, and there's some period, you know, the period cars and locations and stuff like that would be challenging. But a good chunk of the movie takes place either in the switchboard room or in the radio station where the DJ does his show. And the use of that and the use of of capturing that feeling you have, there's there's two specific scenes where outside figures tell a story to our protagonists that have the flavor of like a campfire. I think you described it as a campfire story or an urban legend or something like that. In the or a radio play. Radio the play. There the you go. Like Orson's Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, something like that.
0: Really quick. Thank you for mentioning that because yeah. the name of the of the radio studio is WOTW, War of the Worlds. That's great. Easter egg Love it. Love it. That's a, that's
1: amazing. And the the movie takes on that kind of tone there's a there's a um a framing device that kind of puts it in the in the uh, vein of a twilight zone but in a lot of ways it shares this feeling of somebody telling you a spooky story you know about like well did you know in roswell in 19 that type of feel and i think it captures that um really well and gives you a good sense of the town and i think the movie lives or dies off of the actor's in the film and everybody does a really good job with it giving giving, uh, engaging performances because it's mostly just people talking to each other the whole time Um, and I think they do a really good job carrying the movie
0: I uh, I fully agree with you also fun little Easter egg it This movie is set in New Mexico because of Roswell. Uh, And there's also a lot of very interesting interviews with Andrew Patterson, the director, over on io9. If you guys are not – don't read that movie blog, that nerdy blog. It's a very good blog. So please go check it out. Uh, It's a very good news outlet. Um, But he – the more he talked about the movie, the more candid he became about how new to filmmaking he is. And it's very inspiring for me, at the very least. When it's Mm -hmm. like you ever feel overwhelmed by the – even concept of making a movie, listening to him figuring it, literally figuring it out as he's going and learning all the slang and everything to make this happen was just, it was reassuring about Mm -hmm. what people are capable of at any skill level. But I did want to say that uh, this town where this happens is Cayuga, New Mexico, which is not a real place. Cayuga is the name of the production studio that Rod Serling ran to make The Twilight Zone, which this movie begins as a paradox theater original, The Vast of Night, setting it up as a Twilight Zone uh, alt-universe TV show where this movie takes place. And I loved it immediately right off the bat one i want a tv like that but also <laughs> that this film uh, immediately forgives any kind of uh foibles or mess ups in the movie itself by calling it a vine- by making it a vignette in an alternate universe you yeah. know what i mean where it's like uh twilight zone episodes are not perfect they are they have really good concepts that are usually well acted and well directed but there are some that we don't remember and there are some like uh hindrances when it comes to the budget, like in this movie where we get a lot of people talking to each other in person or over the phone because they can't really do big set pieces because they don't have a lot of money to do that. Yeah. Um so uh the way that they set up the movie initially with that is just I thought it was just so smart. And um I do love that intro to the movie as we zoom into the TV because uh it this movie utilizes nostalgia in a way that isn't I'm going to use the term exploitative and I don't mean it as harshly as that word is Mm -hmm. uh, that other uh, reboots or genre films usually take advantage of. This movie feels very much like a a tip of the cap to that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, or or, uh, acknowledging it, but telling its own story within that genre with the stipulations that it has budgetarily. And it's just, there may, there just, honestly, I think the big standouts are, the vocal and acting performances from the entire cast, the and the camera work, and the score. I forgot, uh, after a year of this film not watching it, the, the score was like its own character yeah. in this film. A lot of... <laughs> uh, for Brooklyn 99 9 fans, when people were talking about Sex in the City on that show, they always say the fifth main character is New York City. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm using that reference just because uh, the third main character, it feels like, in this movie... Is the music is the because score. of the way it's able to capture a hopeful E.T. John Williams esque energy to this world, but at the same time you are hesitant, well, where I've, you are it's and it's that sense of discovery that the vast of night being this big, enveloping, engrossing mystery slash horror. The music lets you feel that same thing.
1: Absolutely, and I think going back to the nostalgia, I think when you look at something like Stranger Things a frustrating aspect for me is it is it is it pulls a lot from the 80s but it looks it's it's less about the 80s and more about 80s movies and 80s nostalgia like 80s TV shows and stuff like that um whereas this movie when it goes back to the 50s it, not to get into too much detail but it gets um into the the harder aspects of it. Uh, one thing I like is when specifically when one character is telling their story is you. I forget how in close proximity we are to a more rural Western time. And there's a character because it's set in the 50s that when she was a young girl, the town they were in was like a one horse, literally like a one horse town. And as a single mother, uh, she she was basically treated like. Uh, just like, like refuse, Charlotte letter, basically. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and there's another character who uh, you know the his race factors into it because those things were. I was going to say mattered more then, but they they are still tremendous challenges we have now today. Um, but.
0: I agree with you, though the way that they dealt with both of those characters, I thought was expertly done.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's about it's less about yes, it uses texture and flavor from the media of that time and the way, and it's also you know there's a lot of I think the reason there's a ubiquitous UFO stories around that time is it was before like you know widespread internet and cameras and literally everything was cataloged twenty four seven. There's still a sense of like we had the technology to find things, but not the technology to know everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you have some of those those classic stories then and and I think a good utilization of this being set now but also acknowledging that the 50s weren't great for everybody. You know what I mean? It wasn't a great time for everybody. People talk about the oh it was so much better in the past. Not for everybody, not all the time. And the mm-hmm. uh,
0: movie's ability to engage with that I think adds it an extra layer of legitimacy. I uh, fully agree. Now I've mentioned my three big pluses to this movie are is the performances the music but the cinematography in particular because uh what i had learned initially was that andrew patterson had a background in making uh commercials and uh, the more i read about it in his interviews was that he was doing it locally in oklahoma and he taught Mm -hmm. himself a lot of how just to make film not the film business he knows how he knows the technical side of it but you can kind of see that when it comes to the cinematography because there's one shot in particular that is meant to for me illustrate just how small this town is Mm -hmm. like just like you really like they can show you them walking around at night but it's nighttime also good way to hide the production value like to hide the fact that like they probably shot this in a more modern town but they were able to add set deck uh to the streets like older cars or lampposts to make it seem older the the one uh, the
1: one part where it starts to peek through is there's a scene where um they're all out in the street and like a car pulls up and you notice there's like no other cars parked on this it's literally just that one car and you're like, mm-hmm. I, I know your pain. I know, I know what you're dealing with here.
0: Yeah. And like, I, but you know, it works though. Yes, uh, it does. I, yes, it does. The the cinematography in the sense that uh, there is one tracking shot across the whole town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I even saying that watching it again, I was like, Nope, this is still like really impressive. Yeah. Like, I really don't know. I don't know how they did it. I can have some ideas, yeah. but I don't think my ideas are the proper explanation for it. But also Uh, Just reading some of the fun facts behind this movie uh, on the IMDb trivia page, which I I feel are verified because I remember hearing about them as well at Fantastic Fest. But the scene where Faye is on the phone uh, hearing the signal and also using the switchboard uh, to talk to people around town who are being affected or encountering something strange that uh, that entire single take was 11 minutes like that was an 11 minute scene which that's chunky for wow. a young actor yep. for any actress to have to uh, um, to handle yes. our actor but uh, the way she pulls it off is truly impressive they actually just had to cut it down for time And this movie comes in at like an hour and a half even yes. and that's so nice you know what I mean that's just <laughs> it like sure such is. A, it sure it, is I, Because it doesn't waste any time. The way people speak and tell their story feels true to the genre, but also true to the time period. Like you mentioned, there is one character that is a single mother during this time. And what she remembers from the town is from like the 1800s, like the late 1800s. And I love that aspect because this movie is about UFOs and about alien encounters. The idea of someone that far back Mm-hmm. uh interacting with an alien i love i love when uh genre does that without being too blockbustery about it yeah. the more like the campfire esque uh storytelling uh is really appealing to me uh also because i mentioned slam dance film festival earlier i did want to mention that andrew patterson had talked about how many film festivals this had been uh sent to and how many it was rejected from so i wanted to run run down the list really quick with you how many film festivals this got rejected from so if you guys ever if you guys enjoyed this movie and you think to yourself how could anyone ever not pick this movie up immediately here's a few to check out Uh, or here's a few that rejected them Sundance Film Festival, South by Southwest, Tribeca, Directors' Fortnight, Cannes, Duville America Film Festival, Moscow International Film Festival, Nashville Film Festival, Montclair Film Festival, Seattle International Film Festival, Nantucket Film Festival, Edinburgh, Transylvania International Film Festival, Hollywood Real Independent Film Festival, Gold Coast Film Festival, Hong Kong International Film Festival, Durban International Film Festival, and the Athens International Film Video and Film Festival. That is so many. One, a lot of those are high profile, but some of them aren't. Yeah, some of them are not. And, We're like a New
1: Transylvania Film Festival.
0: What? Who? You think you're better than us? <laughs> but um,
1: they're like, there's no vampires in this. It goes in the trash.
0: <laughs> Got him. Uh, but they, it, just hearing that. Was also there's a lot of this movie that is inspiring to me, and I, I maybe to you as well, DJ. Mm-hmm. Not to speak for you, but a, a, as just a creator, seeing what someone's able to pull off with such a limited budget <laughs> is, uh, and, and also be so engaging and true to what the genre is and what people love about it, and telling a compelling story with great performances, it, it, it's it, it's masterful. And I, I am excited to see what Andrew Patterson does next. But at the same time, I get more. The more I read about how new this is to him. I get uh, the similar fears to like Josh Trank taking on Fantastic Four yeah, <laughs> stick, where it's like yeah. don't 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 give him don't give him like Iron Man Four or no. something. Just like don't let uh, him ease into it. Let him ease into it, and also, dude, don't, maybe don't maybe don't grab those yet. I think you no. are such a talented director so early on in your career. Like you're gonna be watching this, but uh, mm-hmm. I am inspired by what he was able to do with this film and what it, it crossed the board and the sense of scale in this movie it isn't it's not like an independence day where a ship appears above like los angeles and you get a sense of how big it is there's just this sense of mystery and i think it's a a lot of early sci-fi does this with just the idea of space and how big it is and how endless it is and how frightening that is the movie does it without having to show you just it's the, the way people talk around it and the how frightening like Sputnik must've been, you know, like the idea of seeing like a satellite in space, all of a sudden I'd be terrified because I can't even fathom what that took to get that there. So the idea of a civilization up there, just spying on us, absolutely terrifying. So anyways, I'm going a little all over the place now, but I, uh, I just wanted to say that, uh, there's a reason why i can't shut up about this movie and i feel like at least whoever watched with us over on our patreon now understands and dj hopefully uh you enjoyed it as well i would happily own this movie and i really hope like mondo does a really cool like vinyl release of the soundtrack because they did the poster uh or like um a really nice blu-ray for this movie would be really cool as well i would like to own a physical copy of it
1: so we want to talk a little bit about spoilers but before we do sam what would you rate this movie
0: yes actually you can check out uh our spoiler discussion if you're watching this on youtube over on in- any podcasting app just search only stupid answers and you could hear our in-depth thoughts and some behind the scenes trivia but i would give this a solid nine out of ten like i, I like sorry i want to give it a 9.5 out of 10 i wanted to give it an a yeah. but like uh this is like for what it is i think it's basically perfect yeah uh there are criticisms which we will get into in our more spoiler filled discussion and in-depth discussion but uh i just fell in love with this movie more on the rewatch so i give this a solid 9.5 out of 10 that's a 95 percent that's lining up with rotten tomatoes because they they're on the money with this one gang i thoroughly enjoy it favorite movie i've seen this year Invisible Man's really close behind mm-hmm. it, but I have to say, favorite movie of the year. What about you? I
1: think you see some of these smaller movies and sometimes um, the the budget truly is a limiting factor, but it, it wasn't for this one. I'd give it an 8.5. I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a really good job with the material. And I also, I think um, one of my big things is I wanted more and I think that's a good place to be in uh, instead of being like, all right, I think I got what I need out of this movie. You know what I mean? Like uh, wanting to want more from it, I think is a really good place to be. Um,
0: So you give it a B?
1: Uh, Like 8.5. I guess so. A high B. I want to say B+. So I guess like in between an 8.5 and a 9 Uh, Mm -hmm. feels like just the right rating. And and I look forward to watching it again because there were some technical difficulties on our end on the Twitch stream. So I look forward to to kind of watching it again on on my TV at home and and, and kind of enjoying it on my own. Um, But, yeah, for those of you that are already listening to the podcast, we're going to talk about spoiler stuff now. That's what this is going to be. So you should go check out the movie. Uh, go watch it and then we listen to the spoilers or maybe the spoilers will get you to go watch it but let's talk sam let's talk more about that single take because uh there was another movie recently that had a had a I feel like a much talked about single take uh extraction starring Chris
0: Hemsworth mm-hmm. and that, I, and I I'll say that I have not watched extraction and I don't think I don't plan to personally uh, you know, I don't I, think I, I don't think it's a bad movie it's just nothing about it really grabbed me uh and I think I missed the boat
1: yeah <laughs> I don't, I, don't I, I would not argue I thought um Uh, I thought I was going to enjoy instruction more. I thought it was going to be the big dumb action movie that I needed at the time. And it was more dumb than it was fun. Um, But there is a a, there is a massive single take, but I, I feel like in that movie, and I feel like I've been seeing more often this idea, it feels like studios are like, Oh, single take, what a cool special effect. And it's like no, it's not. It's not a special effect. It's it's a if anything, it's a it's camera a technique. Yeah, it's a tool. It's not something you stitch together with computers that defeats the purpose that that keeps it from from like when you look at Old Boy, when you look at True Detective, when you look at stuff like that. It's not about the tech around it. It's about the craftsmanship. Um, and I think the single take in this is not only effective. It it it's not gratuitous because it does give you a very tangible sense of the space, especially when there's the one of the thing few things that they kind of like speed through is whenever they're racing around the town, you know, they they kinda like montage that. So having that single tech helps you understand where they're running from and running to. Um it's impressive. And it kind of
0: gives you a sense of the center of the town and the focus of the town at the same mm-hmm. time because you get the you get the physical distance of where everything is yeah. immediately, which is cool. Like it's a, uh, cause you never really understand. You have like rough estimations in this. You're like, no, oh, you got an idea. If you were hoofing it you would get across this town in about 10 minutes yeah. or something like that. But also that the whole town is at this, uh, uh, basketball game. Yeah. There are a few people who are at home who are like babysitting or they're elderly, but any, a well-to-do person is at this basketball.
1: game. Yeah. They're right at now. the basketball game. Uh, and that's all really cool. We were joking about, um, how this, for the most part, this is one of those movies that you could actually shoot during quarantine because it's usually like only one or two people on camera at a time, except for the basketball game. That's a big old crowd. But yeah, so it serves a narrative function. It's impressive. Um, it looks cool. That's what you do. That's why you do a single take. It, it has to serve. So for example, I think an example that most of our audience will know is the single-take fight sequence in at the end of, of the second episode of Daredevil on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's impressive stunt work, camera work, all of that. But also, narratively, it, it's there because it's supposed to show you that Matt gets tired, that Daredevil gets tired, that he's a person. By the end of that fight, he is spent, and you're spent with him because you, you didn't cut away. There wasn't time to breathe. You know, and so it wasn't just there to be cool. It served a function that added to the story. And I think this serves a function that adds to the story. And it's not so flashy as to be distracting. Like you're not sitting there going, where's the cuts? Like in something like extraction that doesn't even feel like it's bothering to try and hide the cuts.
0: Um, it's, it's, By the way, Danny M in the chat says, Faye mentions she normally walks everywhere and uh, that's how small the town is. And I did like that note as well, because with the single take, you get an idea of how easy it is. Like, yeah, she doesn't ride in a car. Cause why would she? <laughs> yeah. not, it might be even easier in, in terms of, we don't even know what the infrastructure of the roads are like. It might just be easier for her to cut across like backyards and like school ground. Like it'd be, you know, like that's how small this place is. Yeah. By the um, way, this was shot in seventeen days back in twenty seventeen. Nice. They shot this real fast in West Texas, which makes sense.
1: Good for them. So yeah, I think I think they utilize the stuff they have well, and and, and um, he has an understanding of. And I guess that's the that's the gift of one of the few gifts of of having a limited budget that you can't do. Like, what's the biggest flashiest thing we can do? It's like, well, let's let's use what we got. Let's use what we got and make the most out of that.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it's. Uh, it, it's truly when it comes to like budgetary restraints, like you have to figure out like what is the cheapest, most flashy thing we can do. And like, I think the thing that probably costs the most for the, uh, that one take is the basketball game, just having all those extras there and also making sure it's all period accurate in terms of costumes and the equipment that they had. Also somebody, uh, what was the comment I was reading? They had to, um, they had to sand off and refinish and remove the three point lines and volleyball lines and repaint them uh, to have a narrow skeleton key lane. That's so basically gymnasiums look more adapted for multiple sports. And so they had to change those kinds of things in this gymnasium, but like that must've been the most expensive part, but the use of it made the movie feel more expensive than it probably was to make. And I, and I, it's, it's, that's why you would use a tactic like that. But also, in terms of where the money went, when it came to the uh, UFO shots at the end of the film, because we're now in spoilers, yeah, uh, you do see it, but that's the one seeing the scorch marks, the what's left behind. It's like seeing the T Rex footprint, you know, yeah. or seeing the T Rex like uh, water droplet thing, where it's like the absence of it is scarier yeah. than maybe seeing it until we do see it, and it being such a big looming silent thing floating like the smaller one we see a bigger thing above it but seeing the smaller one yeah uh, was more haunting to me cuz that idea where it's like imagine if you went on a walk you're like i don't hear anyone following me and you turn around and you see somebody there that somehow got there yep. that's been watching you like that idea of being silently watched and you had no indicator from all of your seven senses because you know whatever the other ones that we have uh (laughs) yeah you know we got other ones they got a movie about the sixth sense and then there's a seventh one yeah uh that's
1: science okay
0: that's just science uh ghosts is one Mm -hmm. but like the idea that uh you didn't even sense it there and it's this uh something greater than yourself working at a higher level or like a higher plane yeah and when they do show the bigger one it is a good moment where it kind of at least pays off a little bit because this movie is so mysterious that it's like yeah we'll show you But you're not going to know what this means for our characters because the last shot we get is everyone leaving the basketball court and then we see the abandoned car and uh, the baby and the two kids are now gone. There's a pile of dust yeah, and there is the tape recorder, which I like the idea that the tape recorder left so that maybe they could listen to it and and figure out what happened. You know, there's that, like, there is that Door left open for a sequel, mm-hmm. um, but don't do Or just, uh, no, or
1: just the same way that stories are related to this. Like, well, these two kids vanished, and they left this tape recorder, and this was the sound on it, or these were the interviews on it. You know,
0: mm-hmm. and there's no way to prove it. What if they maybe do a... that that dust could have been that the kids were killed, no. or it could have been that the scorch marks from the ship were left, and they were taken. Well, I, can I, th- I say th- that I, like I don't think, think... they got taken? I I think Sorry.
1: they I think they I don't think they got killed. I think they got taken um, because of the same. if yeah because then then the um the tape recorder would have been scorched.
0: That's true. Yeah. but also hey, sci-fi weapons. You know like exactly. Like, it, uh, We've all seen
1: War of the Worlds, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Tom Cruise,
0: or famously Mars Attacks. I don't think they their clothes get disintegrated, but sometimes their weapons were left behind.
1: Classic like soldiers.
0: Which we should rewatch. that. I do want to rewatch that because uh, I was thinking about the other day of how many celebrities are in that movie. Yeah, Mars like, Attacks, yeah. like it's bananas. Everybody's yeah. in it. Um, yeah, and I there's something, I, I, a negative for me, so I can say this now because we're in mm-hmm. the spoiler territory. Uh, the opening, you mentioned it after we were done, and mm-hmm. to kind of use your words was it's a little full of itself when it's showing Everett, DJ, yeah. walking around this gymnasium, helping them get set up with some of the AV equipment. Or just a because it's audio. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the no videos. Yeah, um, videos. But helping exist. them set it up and hearing them speak in this cadence. Yeah, it, it feels very uh, like patting itself on the back for being accurate to the the time period. But on the rewatch, I appreciated it more because also first viewing, I was like, I can't understand a goddamn thing anyone's saying because they're speaking so fast. Yeah. Um, uh, but rewatching it also at home, it was easier to hear them, and I just understood how it was. I felt it was more about the connectivity of the town mm-hmm. that everybody knew. Like everyone was a little confused. Like didn't Emmett work there? I think Emmett worked at the thing. And it's like, no, I'm Everett. I worked there. I'll help you set this thing up. You know, yeah. like I, I liked, I liked seeing how personal it was. And I also really liked the scene where they're walking through the parking lot and they're doing the interviews and he's trying to teach her how to be an interviewer yeah. or how to be a host. And it was just like, Oh no, sorry, it's broken. We'll have to talk to you later. And it's like, then you never do Like, yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. you get boring interviews and you just need to you know, cruise on past it yeah uh and I, I like the throwback to his confidence but at the same time it's like everett kind of sucks <laughs> like everett yeah. kind of sucks everett's, as a, a, character.
1: everett's a, bit, a bit much
0: Faye's a great character and you also know. everyone's got great glasses and everyone's smoking too, much. Everyone's no, too smoking way much too
1: much too much so wait so do you want a sequel that where we cut like you know people see this movie you're like oh let's do a bigger budgeted sequel and it cuts to like Faye in the spaceship with the rambo bandana and like a flamethrower and she's like saving the baby
0: i think it would be cool if you just did a if you did yeah i don't think you should Mm -hmm. if you did uh i like the idea that it would be an exploration of the twilight zone-esque nature of the movie and with a new topic Yeah. you know but like maybe actors like like cloverfield i think uh if if you did and you shouldn't but Mm -hmm. if you did but don't but if uh i i think it would maybe not revisiting the story but this director and this team and these writers and these actors coming back together to do a smaller scale twilight zone esque epic that was an hour and a half because it's just a long twilight zone episode yeah. with more money and arguably better actors mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe better writing too depending on but, the episode um, depending yeah because no. like there's still good ones out there that's that wouldn't be fair to say but um but yeah the uh uh, I don't think any sequel is necessary, but uh, I would like to see more from this team. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I, I would like to see that as well. If you guys check it out, please do check it out. If you check it out, um, be sure to tweet us or you can check out the spoiler-free review. If you're listening to the podcast, you can check out the spoiler-free review on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you can check out the podcast. We're all over the place. Um, and let us know what you all think. I'd love to know your all's thoughts.
0: By the way, I did want to, as we're kind of like winding down here, mm-hmm. uh, I did want to give a shout out to Danny Boy, longtime supporter of the Patreon, the podcast. And he's also in around the, he was, he lives in Texas. I think mm-hmm. he's to I'll, I'll out you there, dude, because we, we met you in Austin. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but basically, I wanted to give a shout out because he's been doing, uh, song requests on our Discord. And he did the Scrubs, uh, theme song for me. And he did a couple other songs. I think he did Dragon Force and, uh, not freebird Wonderwall he did Wonderwall, nice uh, and I appreciate Danny boy doing that and I want to give him props on the podcast that I checked out all of them and you are very talented um oh my god I'm getting tired and my back hurts really bad mm-hmm. so let's uh, let's wind it down gang thank you for joining us today we want to hear your thoughts on comic books we want to hear your thoughts on movies we want to hear your thoughts on tv shows and we want to hear your suggestions for future episodes so please consider supporting us over at patreon.com slash only stupid answers as low as five bucks a month you can join our discord check out our live streams listen to bonus episodes of shows that only exist on the patreon lots of really cool stuff so please consider checking it out i know times are tough right now but if that's not in your wheelhouse right now watch our videos on youtube youtube.com slash only stupid answers join us on fridays twitch.tv slash only really stupid answers or just follow us on twitter i'm at sam basher everywhere that matters you can find me at dj talks trash and follow at only stupid answers on twitter
1: yank out the vowels from stupid
0: again we have a lot of new content coming out so please subscribe follow share do all the good stuff we love you guys hope you're staying safe times are weird but we appreciate the support you have shown and hopefully you're able to enjoy our content right now to the best you can and until next time gang stay safe Wash your hands, wear a mask, and we'll see you then.
1: See ya.